Well, welcome back to another episode of the New News Podcast. It's another emergency episode, two weeks in a row after we record on Sunday. Apparently, the Cardinals just want to act on Mondays these days. And oh my goodness, Sandy, they've done it. They've signed Sonny Gray. I can't think of a bigger fan of Sonny Gray than you. I think we just need to let you cook to start. Sandy, how excited are you right now, man? I mean, to put this simply, Sonny Gray has been one of my favorite players um, in baseball for a few years now. And watching him put it all together last season, um, and, and he just he's never gotten the recognition he deserves. I've always felt very strongly about that. Um, and so watching him last season just turn into one of the best pitchers in the league, I mean, finishing second in Cy Young Award voting in the American League, and now having him on the Cardinals is just so exciting. Like, I cannot wait. Um, I saw the news. My reaction is on Twitter, how I felt about it. Obviously, I'm very, very excited. Um, I'll be uh, I'll be getting a cream alternate Sunny Gray jersey as soon as possible. Um, yes. I, I just can't tell you how great this is. Uh, you mentioned pre-show, just like how good Sunny Gray is um, compared to what the Cardinals have had recently. There's probably not a better pitcher the Cardinals have had in the last five years. No. This is the first time in a long time where it's felt like, wow, the Cardinals have an ace. They have someone who can go out there and be a stopper. They have someone who can go out there and – win a game for you. And that's who Sonny Gray is. Um, I just want to run down just a bit about how great he was last season for people that don't know. Sonny Gray finished second in Cy Young voting. And I mean, it was basically consensus, right? Pretty much everybody had him second on their ballot behind yeah. Garrett Cole. And to be honest, there was a better argument than people admit for him to win the award. Hmm. Uh, he gave up eight home runs all season long, over 184 innings. He led all of baseball in home run prevention. That's something really, really valuable, especially on a staff with Lance Lynn. Gave up a ton of home runs. You're going to be able to prevent some of those. Um, He led all of baseball in FIP, fielding independent pitching. So with an average defense behind him, nobody in the league was better than Sonny Gray. 2.83. That's just a number that the Cardinals haven't seen in that category from anybody in probably over a decade now. Um, His season last year would be a top five season by a Cardinal starter in the last 50 years, probably. Mm. I'd really be willing to make that case. Um, the Cardinals have only ever won three Cy Young Awards. Two of those were Bob Gibson uh, in the late 60s and early 70s. Since then, only Chris Carpenter has done it. So this is truly like one of the best pitchers the Cardinals have acquired. And for people that don't understand that, there's no way around it. Sonny Gray is an absolute stud. I'm just so happy to have him on our team. Yeah, I don't. I, I just don't see a reason to not be excited today about Sonny Gray. I think it's fair to think like if he was the first signing – I think people's perception would maybe be a little bit different right now, but I think it's fair in light of the gray or a little bit fair in in light of the um, Lynn and Gibson signings to be a little bit like, really, this is all we got. But Sonny Gray is just a fantastic top of the rotation starter to have. I would probably say he is an overqualified two. So he's, he's too good to be considered a number two starter, but he's probably in the low end of a number one starter. Again, I would, I say I would, I feel confident with him being the top of the rotation guy. But I do think you're thinking going into age 34, into his age 34 season, he probably just hit his peak as a starter. Who knows? Um, I still think even so, like a little bit of regression, he's still by far the best starter the Cardinals have. And he's oh, yeah. still an all-star caliber pitcher. He probably still gets Cy Young votes, even with 10, 15, 20% regression. Um, some things people will point to. And so if you're uh, at home looking for ways to poke holes and potentially Sonny Gray, um, he had an elite home run to fly ball rate last year. He only right. gave up eight home runs, something that's just not sustainable. So moving to Bush Stadium, I'm, in my head I'm blanking about how much of a hitter's friendly park 
Um, the Twins is. I don't think it really is. I think it's more pitcher friendly. But even moving to Bush, you expect his home runs to go up a little bit. Um, but he did add a sweeper in the last year that has really like increased his stuff. Um, his whiff percentage is it's not elite by any means, but it's uh, better than what Jordan Montgomery's was. It's better than Logan Webb's. It's better than a lot of really good starters in this league. And like you said, Sonny, or, wow, I just called you Sunny Sandy. You're basically Sunny oh, now, dude. Like, like look at this. It is a it's a sunny day for you. Um, as you said, Sandy, it just he's like I, we're talking pre-show. I think he's going to be the best starter, assuming like uh, pitching's volatile. So like any starter could just like fall off a cliff it just happens um but he should be the best starter the cardinals have had since second half 2019 jack flaherty oh yeah and that's a huge deal like you've had jordan montgomery in short stretches be really good you've had adam wainwright in short stretches be really good but not a guy that like the whole season you kind of rely on as your guy and so we can talk more about what this opens up for the cardinals to do the rest of the offseason which i'm actually really excited about but even mm-hmm. if they run into opening day and it's sunny gray and it's the rest of the staff You've got a really talented top of the rotation starter finally in Sonny Gray. I would say probably my second favorite starter on the staff right now is Steven Matz as a guy that can have a sub four ERA who could be really good. Again, the the concern with him is injury, but now you've got Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson, and Miles Michaelis to eat innings. I'm more shaky on Lynn now as the weeks have gone on about what he's going to look like next year, but I do think he's at least a little bit better. I feel pretty stable about Kyle Gibson, and I think Miles Michaelis, I mean, we've just seen he's bounced – to and fro his whole career about he has a really good year, really bad year. I do think his stuff is regressing, so I don't expect him to be an all-star like he was in 2022, but like, could he be a quality number three starter? I think so. And this is kind of like the recipe the Cardinals have had the past few years when they made the playoffs is their rotation's just good enough until you get to the deadline, except now you've actually got a number one. And in those years, you've had these inning deficit problems where they have to go out and get Jay Happ or John Lester, or Jose Quintana, whoever it is to fill innings. Now they can actually go to the deadline and not be like scraping by. They're hopefully in the wild card race, depending on what the Cubs do. They could be in the division race. Um, and then you can go and look to get a rental starter um, or something like that. So I really like where they're at. Their offense, I think, is going to continue to improve. I think their defense will continue to improve. I think there was real question marks at the time. I believe the whole offseason they're going to get at least Sonny Gray, if not more. And they pulled it off. So John Mozeliak, I love it. I love it. It's a three-year deal. I like that they're not locking themselves long in, long-term into him. Um, and then next year you've got money coming off the books. Um, oh, yeah. Again, with Gibson and Lynn, so you could potentially go after more starters in that way. At that point, you're hopefully got Goran Graceffo or T. Kent or Takoa Roby or Zach Thompson or those kind of guys can start filling some rotation spots, which that's going to be huge because you can't keep paying all five-year starters. you got to have some cost-controlled arms in there. That's something you can look forward to in 2025. And again, that then opens up the Cardinals' possibilities of they can stop trying to fill all these gaps that they have, but they can actually start going after wants and start being aggressive as a team, which I think is what we're going to see them do the rest of the offseason. So, Sandy, I don't know if you have any more about Sonny Gray specifically, the signing, or if you want to start expanding a little bit more to the Cardinals' offseason plan. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just want to reiterate like how big of a deal this is to Cardinals fans. Sonny Gray is a legitimate ace and I mean, it's just something the Cardinals haven't had. And most importantly, yes, we talk about volatility, but Sonny Gray in his career has been someone you can count on every yeah. year to be a good contributor. I'll say this, Sonny Gray in his entire career has had one bad season, like literally one bad season. Um, and that is 
um, on his baseball reference page right now, but that's the 2018 season in New York. And he's talked about that. Um, Eric Kratz, former catcher, uh, actually did a, a podcast recently or, or a segment where he talked a little bit about what it was like for Sonny Gray in New York. And basically they tried to change his whole pitching style. Um, so they tried to change everything that had made him successful until that point. Um, and it was really, really hard for him uh, is all that I know. He didn't like it at all. Um, but besides that year, he has basically never in a full season posted an ERA plus below a hundred. In fact, he's only been below 120 once. Hmm. Um, again, in full seasons, here's his ERA plus by year. 146, 120, 143, injured with a 72, 122, New York with an 86, 162, 133, 112, 126, 154. That's a guy that every single year is a quality arm. And so, yeah, I'm perfectly content with him being at the front of the Cardinals rotation. Uh, I also think that among the guys available, uh, which obviously Nola, Snell, like Sonny Gray, that consistency, that's something you're not getting from them. Nola has yeah. been really up and down the last couple of years. And there's maybe nobody in baseball that's more up and down than Blake Snell at this point, who has had, I think, in eight major league seasons, has won the Cy Young Award twice and has never, besides that, even been an average starter. Um, so you're really locking in a guy that you you know what you're getting from him. You're getting a guy who's 20% above league average. He's going to go out there. He's going to win a lot of games. He's always going to keep you in it. He doesn't have a lot of implosions. This is huge. Um, and – you know, I, I never want to pretend to be in a player's head, but I really do think Sonny Gray just fits in St. Louis. Um, he's succeeded in small markets in, throughout his career. He's been an Oakland guy, brought up there, hated New York, went to Cincinnati and just excelled. His 2019 season in Cincinnati is one of the more underrated individual pitching performances. Mm-hmm. Um, 10s, in my opinion. Yep. And then obviously in Minnesota, tore it up again, got Cy Young attention for the third time in his career in his third different small market, there's no reason to think he can't do that in St. Louis too. Yeah. Um, I'm we're the, the, <clears throat> the introductory press introductory press conference is happening right now. So we're missing that. Well, the sending out the rec, uh, recap on that later. Um, but Andrew just texted in who also wishes he could be here. And he said, it sounds like Sonny Gray just said he wanted to be a Cardinal over a year ago. That's awesome. So like, that's something he's just, I, he just fits, and there's a reason why the Cardinals for a while thought this would be a good fit. Um, again, the, we got reports that the Braves were in on him and were aggressive toward him, and then the Reds also were thought they were close to a deal to bring him back to Cincinnati today. So the Cardinals closed the deal over the Reds and the Braves to bring oh, in one of the best starters on the market right now, which I think means a lot. Like People want to say they don't close the deal and they don't make the bid. And I get it, Sonny Gray isn't like the $200 million pitcher, but like – this is a competitive pitching market and they could have easily balked at it and just been like, okay, the Braves or the Reds are going to outspend us here. And then we're going to go trade Nolan Gorman and a bunch of people to get Dylan Cease instead. And they said, no, we're going to buck up and we're going to do it. And so I think this is a big, big day for the Cardinals front office. And most importantly, the work is not done. And obviously it remains to be seen exactly how they're going to address the rest of the team. Will it just be bullpen additions? Will they be opportunistic to get another starter? I think that's where we want to move the conversation from here. And I'm sure Sonny Gray talk will continue in here. He's number 54. They just gave him the white Jersey. So he's official. He's all in. Yes. Um, but so we, we turn our attention to the Cardinals offseason. They now have three starters, which is what they came into the offseason wanting. Uh, we've also talked about on their wish list is two high leverage relievers. So it seems like the bullpen is going to be number one priority in terms of need. 
But something that I think is really important to continue to think about is Derek Gold came, when I was on was on MLB Network today, and they're asking him about what are the Cardinals going to continue to do here. And just to take a step back here, nationally, people are really impressed what the Cardinals are doing right now. Like people are making fun of the Gibson and Lynn signings a little bit, but like for the most part, people are like, we like the Cardinals are being aggressive right oh, yeah. now. I can't think of I mean the Braves have made some moves, but like otherwise, who's gone out and gotten three starting pitchers already? What the Cardinals have done here, and Derek Gould, I think, did a really good job of pointing this out, is one, they have created leverage for themselves. Now, when they go into a trade, they don't the White Sox aren't like, you have no other options. You have to come get Dylan Cease from us. Now they can go in and be like, hey, if we can make a deal work for Dylan Cease, we're gonna do it, but we're not gonna give you everything you want to make it happen. That's why they've been able to pull off really good deals with the Diamondbacks and the Rockies to get star players, is they weren't backed into a corner. Um, and so now the Cardinals can go into these negotiations for a Tyler Glass now, for a Sonny Gray, or Sonny Gray, for a Dylan Cease, for one of the Marlins starters, for one of the Mariners starters, and they can walk away from the table, and that has power. So that's something that they're able to do. And now they also can turn their attention to wants for the first time in a long time rather than need. Again, Wilson Contreras last offseason, they had to give him a fifth year because it was a need. Sonny Gray, they gave him $25 million annually because it was a need. Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn, they paid market value because it's a need. Now you can go to the trade market, look for a starting pitcher, and get him as a want. You can go and aggressively go get a Tyler Glass now, get a Dylan Cease, get someone that has swing and miss stuff, Jesus Lizardo, and be aggressive with it using Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, different prospect pieces to go about it. So I, I think obviously we're going to see them add two bullpen pieces, but I'm getting more and more confident that they're going to be really, um, especially now that they don't have to really mess with the free agent uh, market as much anymore. I think they're going to be really aggressive to see if they can pull off a trade for one of these starting pitchers. What are you thinking, Sandy, with all that? I, I love what you're saying there. Um, it is a big deal that the Cardinals have finally filled out their needs and they can go do what they want to do. I love that. They can start augmenting the roster instead of yes. building out portions of it. Yes. But I will say, I won't count the Cardinals out of the free agent market yet either. Yeah. The budget that we played with, um, I believe we said the Cardinals had $62 million. A little bit of quick math here says that they're still sitting on $15 million to play around with. And that's before we talk about three members of the team currently who are being paid um, significant salaries, right? So O'Neill and Edmund combined, I believe, are about $14 million, 14 to $15 million. Yep. And then Stephen Matz, who we'll get to that in a little bit, but that trade chatter has really, really increased today. Yep. He's worth about $11 million. So if you want to really get creative here, you can start to look at solutions where the Cardinals could again go out and spend money on somebody. It's not as much of a guarantee because, like you said, it's no longer a need with the guys they have. Um, but if they were to do that, they would be able to add 15 plus about 15, make it 30 plus the 11 from Matt. So they still do have a sizable $40 million of money to play with if they're willing to free it up, of course. Um, yeah. Now, if we traded Matt's, I would expect them to bring in a starter because that would open a spot. So you could see a scenario in which the Cardinals re-enter the market for Yamamoto or one of these other starters, although I do think it's more unlikely with the Sunny Gray side. Yeah, I think uh, maybe with the Yamamoto side of things, as you're talking, that's kind of processing in my head how they can go about that. Um, you free, So they have the meetings this week over Zoom. And it sounds yep. like, um, as far as Derek Gould knows, they still plan on being a part of those meetings. Because at the very least, yep. even if they think they like, even if it's just to figure out what the market's like, which is smart. Why wouldn't you at least meet with him and figure out what the price point is? And if he, maybe he's like, I really want to come to St. Louis. 
make it work. Now, I doubt he's going to be desperate enough to come down a lot money-wise. But anyways, yeah. Derek Will made the point. It's like, hey, like they might as well at least have these negotiations because if they want to know how they're doing with the Japanese market, Yamamoto is going to be a good way to gauge that. And if he wasn't interested, then they need to go back to the drawing board about how they position themselves for players like that. So anyways... I think there is a world where they do the Zoom meetings and they think Yamamoto is realistic, like you want to come there. If they get down to the finalists, maybe what you could see them doing is at that point, they look to move on from Stephen Matz, Tyler O'Neill, Tommy Edmund. And it doesn't all have to happen before they sign Yamamoto, but they look to almost kind of like in the NBA when uh, it doesn't really happen as much anymore, but like when LeBron was a free agent, like a team would clear their cap space knowing he was coming or like the heat, like started making all these really small moves because they knew he was coming there. So they were like offloading salary. I do kind of think in a way you could see them be like, we could trade Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson, all these pieces to go get a starting pitcher, but now we're content getting relievers for them in return. And we don't really care as much about it because we know we're about to get Yamamoto. And so I think you could see them do kind of some of these salary dump type teams where they want to be salary dumps, but they're like moving on from Matt's to get a, relief pitcher prospect or they want move on from o'neill and get clayton beater or something like that from the yankees they do these random things to put all the money in the yamamoto basket if they think he's going to come there if not like you said i mean maybe blake snell sell an option maybe jordan montgomery maybe eduardo Rodriguez, maybe some of those names would be a quality number two to bring in i think if i was and i think you'd probably say this too it i would probably say the more likely scenario is they go and trade for that next guy but I think you're right. It doesn't completely rule them out. And so far, I haven't seen anyone say they're done with the free agent market. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just been, it's like more likely they will be done now because there's a lot of like dominoes that have to fall for it to make sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to add one more thing to this Yamamoto discussion and the free agency market before we shift our, uh, you know, shift our focus to trades. Um, but there also is the nuclear option, as you call it. And this is what I wish the Cardinals would consider. And that's just go over budget for the year. Yeah, um, true. spend big, like spend big on this year, sign Yamamoto, um, front load it a bit, and then be ready to have even more money when stuff comes off the books next year. Um, that'd be a great, a great option for the Cardinals. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't think it is likely at all, um, but it's something we really can't rule out. Although it's kind of easy for jaded fans right now uh, to assume that that's not going to happen. Um, but moving into the the trade market, I think you're right. I do think if there's another starter, it does come via trade. And I don't know, in my opinion, there still needs to be another starter. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think at this point, like um, I've been saying this a little bit. I think it's kind of where I stand right now. The Cardinals have raised their floor and they need to do that really bad. Like they I I mean, things would have to go catastrophically wrong again. And like not like in terms of like we could have seen it coming, but like injuries and weird regression would have to happen again for them to be that bad. Like I think yeah. they put themselves in the 85 win category now. Like they can they can they can sneak into the playoffs or if the NL Central ends up being weak, they can win the NL Central. And yeah, if sure. a lot of things go their way, like they do get um bounce backs from Lance Lynn or Gibson or Michael. It's not all these things happening. I'm not saying all these things, but like even if a few of the like Olnarnado bounces back and three other things happen, like then sure yeah. they're a 90 win team again. I think what they need to do now because they have the needs met outside the bullpen, we know they're going to address them is if you want to be a true contender, you have to go out and get that other starter. So that's where I would agree with you on that. Um, <clears throat> again, I would much prefer, like you said, do the nuclear option and they just overspend a little bit. Um, especially if it's Yamamoto, you would think the, the, um, the market they would bring in from Japan too, and maybe help with revenue a little bit there and offset that cost a little bit. Um, but even if not, like, 
we can talk. I'll say my first option that I think just makes so much sense, especially with the idea of them potentially moving on from Steven Matz, is to go after Tyler Glass now. Again, the $25 million is scary, um, and that's a lot of money, and so they got to figure out how to make up for that. And I think an easy way you do that is, it, again, the Rays are trying to move off money, but they're not – like. People are saying like they want to move off all 25 million. Part of the reason they're moving off the 25 million is so they can use that money elsewhere. Not like they don't want to spend 25 million dollars. Like they just don't want to spend it all on one player who could get hurt because the Rays can't afford to do that. The Cardinals can now afford to do that because they have a full rotation. So I think you move Steven Matz to them and you get him below market value at this point because you look at Gibson got 12 million euros a year. Maeda got 12 million. All these mid to low end guys like a Steven Matz are getting 12 million or more a year. So $11 million a year for Steven Matz is actually kind of a bargain. And I think the Rays could really make him a better pitcher. Like it'll probably be frustrating to see how good he is at the Rays. But again, the ceiling of glass now is important. So you give a, uh, like a Steven Matz, a Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, or Alec Burleson, and some other prospect. And I think that's kind of like the framework you're looking at for like a Tyler Glassnell type trade. And then again, yes, he could get hurt. Guess what? A lot of pitchers can. And I get that he's more susceptible to that. But if you're moving off of Matz and you've got Gray, Glassnell, Michaelis, Gibson, Lynn, then if Glassnell misses 10 starts or so, you've got Zach Thompson and Matthew Libertor, Drew Rahm, Gordon Graceffo. You've got those guys who can backfill those starts, and you'll be fine. Um, and then best case scenario is he's healthy the whole year, and now you've got two aces um, <clears throat> or two front line, front line guys. I don't like ace. I think to me is like the top 10 pitchers in baseball. Like I'm, I, I know people have different di- different definitions of it, but I think you have two like one number one, number two type guys, and that's how you Absolutely. go and win a playoff series. That's how you go deep in October. And then again, they could also add the deadline. So I would go after Tyler Glass now. Now, <clears throat> I don't know if there's other trade candidates to stand to you. I know there's another one that potentially does to me, but I think the for me, the Rays make a lot of sense now. Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, that Mats for Glass now swap just makes way too much sense. It'd be an elite move by Mosellock, who, by the way, should already be restoring the faith of a lot of Cardinals fans because this has been a very aggressive offseason, like you said. It's just crazy that we're sitting here on November 27th and the Cardinals have filled their rotation. We came into the offseason thinking we might not know what was happening until February. Yeah. We now now have like three, four full months to sit here before opening day and know what's going on. That's huge for fans Mm -hmm. and for the team. Like it's got to be really nice to feel that this front office gives you that certainty. Yeah, I think that's, again, your point certainty here. Like, <clears throat> neither of us are content with the offseason. Like, we're not yes. like, this is an A. But the fact that you've gotten here already, because this is an outcome that could have been the end of the offseason, which is you kind of patched together the bullpen and you got three starters. Two of them are back-end guys, and one will make it work at the top of the rotation. They have all of this, and it's not even December. And so now they can really hone in on those targets from here on out. And I would be shocked if they don't add – I shouldn't say she'd be shocked if they don't add a starter. I think they're going to be very aggressive about that, though, and I think they're going to restore the bullpen in a, in a healthy way as well. And so, um, and again, uh, so then another option, I think you will see them talking to the White Sox a lot. I do think that Dylan Cease makes a ton of sense. He's, he's easier to work with in terms of um, salary as well. At that point, I think the pro of a, a Dylan Cease is you can hold on to t- uh, Steven Matz as well, and he can kind of be that swing man. And so then... Again, because even Lynn, Michaelis, and Gibson, they're susceptible to injuries too. Like, 
sure. not just because you're durable doesn't mean you don't get injured. Like anyone can. And so having Steven Matz to fill in when if Sonny Gray or any of these guys go down. Um, but then obviously Dylan sees top of the rotation type talent. It probably requires you to give up one of Nolan Gorman and Brendan Donovan yeah. plus some top prospects. Again, that's my I don't love that route, but at this point, getting that want. I think really raising the ceiling of the team here. If you have to give up a Gorman or you have to give up a Donovan and you kind of know that Thomas and JC is up, up and coming, you know that Jordan Walker is getting better. You know that whatever the other young bats you keep are getting better. I feel okay giving up one for Dylan Cease plus other things, but I don't give, but at this point, the Cardinals don't have to give up more. Like there was a scenario where they waited out the Yamamoto thing and it didn't happen. Gray signed, Snell signed, and now they're like, okay, we have to give up everything the White Sox want. We have to give up everything the Mariners want, or we have to be content with Miles Michaelis as opening day starter again. They, I just, I love the fact that we have certainty here, like you said, and now the wants become a realistic thing. They don't have to be worried about innings anymore because they have that all covered. And I think we've mm-hmm. underrated how long of an issue that's been. It's been going on since. Was it was it twenty twenty yeah twenty twenty one where you had Oviedo going out there in June and basically, um, Schilt was saying like yeah like this guy shouldn't even be up here but like we ha- or I think Moselak or Schilt one of them said like we feel bad for him but we need innings like it was bad and then just every single year it kept happening and now I think they finally bit the bull and we're like okay we just have to have innings and again they can't they can't be the solution but the fact that Sonny Gray's at the top of it's a huge part of it but now they can go after. Whether it's the Marlins, the Mariners, all these other teams, they can go out, out there and get that number two starter. Yeah, and something someone brought to my attention the other day. So I've been a little bit whiny about <clears> the uh, Gibson and Lynn signings. And, I mean, bear with me, but you can see why, like, you add $12 million to the money that the Cardinals have right now, and you say, okay, now you have 27 And, yeah, yeah. you could see why the, I might be upset. Um, but someone pointed out to me, Gibson – I don't know if this is true, but what it was said to me was that Gibson either led the American League in quality starts or was like right up there at the top of that leaderboard. Yeah. That's amazing. So like, say you have a pitcher every single game who goes out there and he gives you six innings and gives up three runs. That's a quality start every time. And the reason that's a quality start is because your team is still in the game. If your team hasn't scored yet, a three nothing lead is tough with a bullpen coming in, but it's not the worst thing ever. But like the average team scores five runs a game. So you're probably up or tied or in that game. That's awesome. A guy that does that 30 times a year, basically, like his stats aren't going to look good at the end of the year. He's going to have a four, 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 five ERA, but like he didn't lose you any games. Yeah. And that's what they did with Gibson. And to a lesser extent with Lynn too, Lynn and Gibson. And if you just lengthen that, like, like maybe allow for an, an extra run, say, six innings, four runs. When that happens, there was a segment about this on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals almost always win the game because we have a great offense. So if you can do that 60 times a year um, with just those two and then toss in Sonny Gray and then toss in hopefully an improved Mats, this team is actually good. Like it's a lot better than people think. And so those innings, while it might not look good at the end of the year because that's a pitcher with an ERA near six, that's a pitcher that didn't lose you any games either. Yeah, I think almost like in a weird way, Kyle Gibson, like the team he just came from is kind of the comp for the regular season Cardinals. Now, I don't think they're winning 100 plus games, but it's like the Baltimore Orioles where they had a bunch of guys that you kind of just hoped would get you through six innings if possible, give up four or five runs and then let the offense cook. 
And that's different than when you have a starter going out there giving you three innings. And even if they're not giving up a run, like now your bullpen has to go out and pitch all these innings. Yeah. And then the next day I have to do it again and again and again and puts a string on the bullpen. Or frankly, there's these games where Adam Wainwright gives eight runs in three innings and yeah. or Drew Rahm gives up six and four or whatever. And it's like you're out of the game. Like you've already lost. And you also have to find a way to burn arms the way through it. So that's that you brought up from 101 ESPN. So it came from Brandon Kylie. The Cardinals were 34 and 19, which is a 641 winning percentage when they got six innings and four fewer runs from their starters. They had a 30% winning percentage. They were 37 and 72 when that did not happen. For context, Baltimore had the best winning percentage in baseball last year, 623. So the Cardinals have are on pace with the best per winning percentage in baseball when they get six or more innings from the starter, allowing four or less runs. Like, that's awesome. So Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson combined to do that 33 times last year. That, I mean, the Cardinals, number five, number four starters weren't doing that last year. Here's proof of that. Last year, 84% of Lance Lynn's starts went five or more innings. 53% of them went six or more innings. Kyle Gibson, 85% of his starts went five or more innings. 58% of them went six or more innings. For context, Wainwright, Libertor, Woodford, Rom, Hudson, they all started 60 games last year. Only 50% of those games, they went five or more innings. So in 30 of their 60 starts, they completed the fifth inning. In 27%, so 16 of 60 starts, they combined to pitch six or more innings. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like I think we're like even myself kind of coming into the offseason, I kind of underrated how big of an issue the lack of innings was. Yeah. Again, I think it raises the floor of this team. <clears throat> Again, when you get to the postseason, you don't have to cover 162 games worth of innings, so it's not as big of a deal anymore. So, again, I think they're they're set for the regular season now. I think they're going to be fine. I think they can yeah. win and get into the playoffs. But if they want to be a true contender, which they have Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt aging, like they want to be a team that can compete, that's where I think you have to go out and get that other starter. Totally. And so we've mentioned Cease, we've mentioned um, Glass now. Are there anyone, you know, any other guys that stick out to you? For me, I think I would love to see the Cardinals on the phone with the Guardians. Um, and I think you could actually offload some salary there and then maybe even extend him on a very team-friendly deal right now with his value so low, although he might want to test free agency too. For Shane Bieber? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I would like Shane Bieber. I think um, at this point for me, he's probably like like in the same way that I don't think Sonny Gray is necessarily a true one and he's more, but he's like, or he's a one, but he's not like a top echelon one. Yeah. I think Shane Bieber is like, He's better than a three probably, but he's not like a good two anymore. But I think he'd be like, again, for what you'd probably have to trade to get him, he'd probably be worth it. And then like, if you told me they were going to try having a rotation, because at that point you're probably getting Tyler O'Neill, the low end prospect. If you're telling me they're going to go till the deadline with Gray, Bieber, Michaelis, Lynn, Gibson, Matts, like I think that gets you there. And then you just go out and get one more starter at that point too. So I like the Guardians idea. Um, we haven't brought up, I think the Marlins make sense. Um, Jesus Cesardo, Braxton Garrett, guys like that. Maybe there's a move there with the bats. Um, maybe they're interested in trying to bounce back for Tyler O'Neill or Dylan Carlson or something like that. Um, <clears throat> the Mariners make sense. Again, um, I just don't see a Logan Gilbert trade happening because I don't think the Cardinals are going to give up what the Mariners want. I think the Mariners really care for uh, what or like want to really move on from uh, Gilbert unless it's for something like that. So, 
Um, I think Miller or Wu would make sense now too. Um, but I think their height, that should be more of like, hey, end of the off season, do we want to try and get rid of any of these guys to get some value back? Um, right now, I think they should be going for surefire ones and twos on the trade market. For sure. Um, but I might make the argument that Shane Bieber is still a two. I think he's become severely underrated. I have his baseball reference page pulled up right now. And we all know about the incredible year he had uh, in 2020 when he basically led the American League in every single statistical category and was was like perfect, about mm. as perfect as perfect gets. Um, but in years outside of that, he's done a lot of good stuff for his career. Two walks per nine innings. Uh, he's, gosh, the 2022 season, Shane Bieber threw 200 innings of 2.88 ERA ball. It's good for a 131 ERA plus, walked 1.6 per nine, gave up less than one homer per nine, still struck out nine per nine. Like this guy is legit. That is, that is incredible results coming from somebody. And even last year he was injured and he wasn't mm-hmm. quite the same pitcher, but 3.8 ERA, uh, that was about in line with his FIP. Still 110 ERA plus, still didn't walk a ton of guys. Now the strikeout stuff fell off a little bit. And so that's why people are so alarmed. Um, But I'm inclined to just think maybe that's a bad year. Um, Guys have that stuff all the time. So I'd I'd be very happy to bet on that talent upside. Uh, Remember two years ago, he finished seventh in Cy Young voting. And then the year before his incredible 2020 season, he really broke out in 2019 uh, finishing fourth in Cy Young voting with 144 ERA plus in 214 innings. So he's a guy that when healthy is going to throw over 200 innings. So, I mean, I, I really like Shane Bieber. And I think if you can add to this rotation and increase the ceiling, as you've been saying, without having to give up one of those, like one of those young bats as in Donovan, Newt Bar, Walker, I, I don't think Walker's gone no matter what I yeah, yeah. either or Gorman. That's, that's pretty impressive. Um, that's why I love the, the free agent market so much because all it costs you is money. It doesn't cost mm-hmm. you anything in terms of, uh, talent capital. Um, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. I, I, th- I take what you're saying about Bieber and I think like, it's hard to know. It's like, is it, was he just injured and he's like recovering and he's going to be better for next year? Or is this like a sign of decline? Cause some of these injuries are just things that it's like, it saps your ability and you're kind of yeah. like who you are now. <clears throat> I think some of the, like, the ner- the numbers that people would look at that are like warning signs is XERA was uh, 26th percentile, um, expected batting average 10th percentile, average exit velocity was second percentile, hard hit rate third percentile, barrel rate 51 percentile, whiff rate was 37th and 28th, or and strikeout percentage is 28th percentile. Like a lot of those numbers are f- kind of fell off a cliff, which again, that might have just been like he, f- he came back and he had a really good start in his final start, I think, against Baltimore. Um, in last year, he was uh top six or seven in Cy Young voting, and he his his velocity already diminished, his strikeout rate had dipped a ton. It dipped even more this year by like a point, like a full point, but it had dipped like four points last year. And he still showed that he can be a top end pitcher even without the strikeout stuff. And so, I think there's like I think you can make an argument either way, um, which you can do with a lot of starters. I think I would probably be like, I'd be way more excited. Which I think, I mean, which is fair. I think people would be way more excited about Glass now or Cease. I sure. think those are the two guys that'd be really eyeballing right now, or like a Jesus Lizardo or something like that. But again, like price point matters here too. And if it's like Tyler O'Neill and Sam Roberts, or I don't know, some random thing, yeah, yeah, you like that's easy. Um, and then again, too, like it gets you to the deadline, and now like 
like even if at that point Bieber can't be your second best starter, now you at least have a playoff game three and a game one or two type starter, and then you just have to get one more. So like I think there's pros and cons of all of that. I'll Absolutely. be really interested to see too, like what do the Cardinals have as their 2024 budget as a whole? Because that's something we don't talk a lot about um, when you cut, when we're talking about the teams is that they also budget in the idea of making more moves during the year. So like, sure. again, they planned on getting to $200 million during the season this past year because they're planning adding payroll to their team at the deadline. So like, what are they comfortable getting to as a number at opening day and comfortable at the yeah. deadline? Because also this could be part of it too. Maybe they make a really aggressive move now knowing they don't have budget to be that aggressive at the deadline. And honestly, I'd be, I'd be okay with that. Like if they're like, if they go out and get glass now, they get um, Bieber or whoever it is. And they think they've capped out financially. And then the best they can do is the equivalent of Jose Quintana at the deadline. Like they already, sure. You already made your big swing. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I'm, I, I think there's a lot of interesting names. And I think as the week goes on, especially next week's the winter meetings, like I think things will become a lot clearer to us of what their plans could be. Absolutely. Um, but overall, like this is just a big day for the Cardinals. This is a team that was already, according to fan graphs, the favorite for the Central. And I don't know mm-hmm. how much stock you put in those projection systems, um, but it's still meaningful that something like that is betting on, um, you know, regression to the mean for this team that had so much bad luck uh, in 2023. And so you take the team that's already the projected front runner and add Sonny Gray, a guy who they think is going to be a very good starter this year. Like this is a team that right now is capable of winning 90 games. That's a big, that's a big step in the right direction. So I really do think this is the type of move that we need to see out of the Cardinals to basically ensure that they return to contention this year. Maybe not World Series contention, but definitely playoff contention. Yeah, uh, real quick as we're wrapping up. So <clears throat> do you think, I, I think as of right now too, I agree. I think I would put the Cardinals as a favorite for the NL Central. Yeah. Do you think, how much do you think the Cubs or the Reds would have to do to change your opinion on one of mm. them potentially? Like obviously like if the Reds had just gotten Sunny Gray today, I think that was a huge, that would have been a huge sign to the NL Central that they're, they want to come. I think they want to make this a big deal this year. Obviously the Cubs are in on Shohei Otani. I wouldn't be surprised if they go after Blake Snell. They could be the Juan Soto team. Like, do they need to make multiple moves at that level, or do they think they can just bring back Cody, like Cody Bellinger again? They'll just lock, like, sure. they bring him back. Are they not going to have him? How close do you think the gap is? Like, like if the off, if the season started or if the season started today, what is the gap between the Cardinals and the Cubs and the Reds to you um, in this race? I think it's pretty small. I think the Cubs and Reds can do a little bit, and they're yes. all pretty much neck and neck. Um, for the Cubs, I'll say this. I, I might get flamed um, by some people, but I, I would say the Cubs, the 2023 Cubs were basically the opposite of the 2023 Cardinals. They overachieved in basically every way. And not just at the major league level, they overachieved at the minor league level too. They had some prospects really break out. Um, and now those guys um, like Owen Casey, for example, are getting factored into some stuff. Cade Horton, a guy who not a lot of people were excited about before the season who just exploded in 2023. Um but some of that is, in my opinion at least, is bound to regress. Cody Bellinger's peripherals are terrible. Cody Bellinger had a, a very unsustainable fly ball to home run rate. We just talked about that with Sonny Gray. Um, I mean, Christopher Morrell had the same thing. Christopher Morrell hit 26 home runs in, in, a, in a season where he struck out a ton and didn't walk at all. And that propped up an OPS that looked pretty decent. 
Um, but that's from a guy who has massive holes in his swing. Like, I think a lot of these guys are going to come back down to earth for the Cubs. And I think the production that Bellinger had, I don't think he's likely to replicate it, not just in Chicago, but not anywhere. Um, so I think that's a much bigger hole than the Cubs know that they have right now. And then like Justin Steele, this is a guy that had been okay, but like, do we really think he's a Cy Young candidate moving forward? If you think that, then that's fine. Um, but I don't know if I'm in that boat yet. I don't know if I'm convinced that all of a sudden he's a true like one a pitcher and not just, not just like in the division, he was one of the best pitchers in the entire league. Yeah. Um, Kyle Hendricks is a year older now. So there's Dansby a lot of Swanson. things. <laughs> yeah. Dansby Swanson. I just would like to say I, I shouted from the rooftops when they made that deal and it was a bad deal. And yeah. now you have Cubs fans who want to trade him right now in year one. Um, yeah. They think they're going to go get Bo Bichette or something. So I think the Cubs are actually farther behind the Cardinals than people are willing to admit. Uh, there's probably a little bit of my rose tinted glasses forming <laughs> that opinion. Yeah. Um, but Again, a team that signs Shohei Otani or trades for Juan Soto is definitely in the race no matter what. Yeah, and I think a sneaky part of what you're talking about too is like the first half. Again, I'd have to look at second half stats. I think Cody Bell, I mean, Cody Belger wasn't bad in the second half. I might be putting my foot in my mouth right now. He might have been even better, but it felt like he really had a surge in the first half, especially, which is when the Cubs were doing really well. And then Marcus Stroman also was like a Cy Young candidate, and then he got hurt and fell off the planet. And then yeah. guess what? The Cubs also fell off the planet. So I think like the fact that they lost both of those guys means a lot. Now, again, if like you said, if they go out and get Shohei and they get Blake Snell, or they, I mean, they're all this is relative. I do think there's some regression, like you talked about with them too, but I also still think they're a threat, especially bringing Craig Council. I think. He, he was a guy that around baseball people talked about. He like you don't really hear about managers all that often, but he was a Absolutely. guy that other managers were got frustrated by and they felt like he impacted the game in a way that helped the Brewers out a lot. And he just kept making the most out of a team that really shouldn't have been achieving as much as they were. So yeah. I think you like anything that mitigates maybe some of the potential I the Cubs were um smoking mirrors a little bit last year, but um I do I think they're a threat. Uh, especially because I, I, I have a hard time can standing here and saying all these things that the Cardinals are going to do better than they did last year and then not giving the Cubs the benefit of the doubt at all. But at the same sure. time, like, it's like, well, like, I think you point out last year, like with them last year, like just felt like everything went the Cubs way until the end and everything yeah. went against the Cardinals. And so not in like a way that's like unfair to them. It's just, that's baseball sometimes. And so um, quick note on Sonny Gray, they have a club option for 2027. There's yes. not any details yet that I've seen about what that number is. Gosh, yes. Um, but that's pretty interesting because, I, I mean, again, I'm speculating here. It would be really cool if it's a significant dip uh, from the 20, like his $25 million a year, because then you potentially have a back-end option in 2027 where you're like, oh, we can bring back Sunny Gray at $15 million so or whatever. So uh, making it work. So. I'm I'm really people are buzzing about the presser right now. They're saying he's saying all the right things. Fans are gonna love him. So here we go, Sunny Gray. Should we talk about the Reds really quickly too? I oh, think yeah. the Reds are so in, in the way that the Cubs are like kind of a little older than a team that's on the up and coming normally is. The Reds are very young and very exciting. They had so many rookies last year who basically all boomed. Uh, except for one very notable rookie who had a very, very bad rookie season, and people won't talk <laughs> about it um, because you had Ben Verlander two weeks into his career saying that he's an all-star. Oh my gosh. That's Ellie De La Cruz. You know who I'm talking about. Um, 
Ellie Dela Cruz is immensely talented. There's every chance in the world that he's an all-star next year. Um, when you have tools like that, that kind of thing happens. Um, but I think the Reds should expect to improve again this year. Yeah. They have guys like Matt McClain. I, I am such a big Matt McClain fan, and I'm such a big Spencer Steer fan. Like, those guys are studs. They were studs as rookies. They'll be good again. So, yeah, the Reds are going to be tough this year. Um, I think that pitching, Lodolo, like, he might become a true ace this year. He really could take a big step forward. I don't think Ashcraft's any good. Um, but Lodolo and Green, like, that's a great one-two punch. Young, cost-controlled arms. So I think the Reds are going to be really tough. And if they, like, had they made a play for Sonny Gray today, like you said, like, man, veteran like that, anchoring that staff, assuming everyone takes a step forward. But I also just don't see the Reds getting aggressive and doing much of anything. They don't feel like a good landing spot for Yamamoto. As funny as it'd be to see Shohei Otani at Great American Small Park, he doesn't seem like a fit there. Great American um, Small Park. He might get 80 home runs a year there. It's a band. Yeah. Yeah, a couple other yeah. things uh, from the press conference right now. John Mazak, we certainly feel like we've accomplished something for our rotation. Today's a great day for us, and we feel really good about what's happened over the last 10 days. But there's two months left in the offseason. We don't want to close any doors. Then this is from Jeff Jones. Uh, the Cardinals, or Mazak said the Cardinals need to look at the trade market and ar arbitrage, arbitrage, I forget how to say that word, uh, what's there basically negotiate and figure out how they can make deals and things. Um, and so that's way Jeff Jones took it as it's Mo's way of saying they're not done and they're interested in being opportunistic about adding to the team. So I think it makes a lot of sense too, because it's like, you don't have to trade Dylan Carlson. You don't have to trade Thomas. Uh, I love Thomas JC. You don't have to trade Tim Kent. You don't have to trade Thomas JC. You don't have to trade Brendan Dobb. You don't have to trade Nolan Gorman. But if a team really wants those guys, now the Cardinals are in the position of strength, not the White Sox. Like, yeah. Well, again, they're going to have a bidding war, but at the same time, they can't strong on the Cardinals either. So I think that that leaves a lot of cadence to a Tyler Glass now trade or something like that. So, um, uh, but not to deter from the Reds, I do, do think the Reds get better too. I think Ellie Dela Cruz is better next year, but I think that's a sneaky thing to say about the Cardinals too, is people are talking about how the Cubs have all this up and coming talent. The Reds have all this up and coming talent. The difference with the Cardinals is that just some of those guys are, entering their like year two slash year three. Like they've been in the majors for three years, but they're more two years control type guys, <clears throat> or they were rookies last year. Like part of the reason their farm system isn't highly ranked right now is because they just promoted all these guys. So you have guys that are continue to get better next year on top of the veteran talent. So <clears throat> if people are excited about the Reds, young talent, the Cubs, young talent, then I'm also going to say, well, Jordan Walker is the best prospect out of any of those guys. Absolutely. Nolan, Nolan Gorman is Set to be a 40 home running year guy, potentially. Brendan Donovan is a really good player. Victor Scott's on the way. Thomas and JC's on the way. Mason Wynn just came up. Yeah. And I, I think it's really easy. For, like, I'm really glad he got that experience, but the same way I think it's made a sour on him a little bit, where yeah. maybe it's maybe pro like people probably are too high on him and now they're too low on him. So, and again, I mean, you have Tommy Eppin you can trade. Like, he's worth something on this in this trade market. Like, the third who's like the third best position player available in free agency right now. Like, I think it'd be Tommy Edmond if he was available. <laughs> like, yeah. like, that's, I mean, that's really interesting. Actually, like <laughs> Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman, JD Martinez question. Could you center a Dylan cease package around Tommy Edmond? If you took on more salary, uh, I think it'd have to be pretty heavy with like Tink Hentz and um, well, either way, I think you've like, even if Brendan Donovan is in it or Noel Gorman, you probably have to attach a high level prospect. 
I think if you do Dylan Carl or you do Tommy Edmond, unless the White Sox really want like a mix of like controllable talent and prospects, I think you, especially because I think other teams like apparently like the Dodgers are in on him, the Braves are in on him. I think you're going to have to make a strong bid. I think it would have to be Tommy Edmond plus Sajacy plus Hence. Like I think you're going to have to pay. As opposed to if you did Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman, I think you end up saving yourself a little bit on the prospect end. But I don't For know. Sure. Teams, it's just so hard to gauge how teams value Tommy Edmond. But I was talking about this the other day. Part of the reason I'm really on the train of I'm okay with offloading Tommy Edmond right now, even if it creates a little bit of uncertainty for the beginning and middle of 2024, is that this guy is about to get paid. Like his arbitration number is going to rise from 6.5 million to probably closer to 10 million next year. And then when he hits the open market, I think someone was comparing him to like Jake Cronenworth and some guys like that. And he's a better defender and he's like, maybe not as like, doesn't have the ceiling offensively, but he's more consistent. Like there's a chance Tommy, I think he get close to a hundred million dollars on the open market. Wow. Like he's it's not like gonna a Brandon be Nimmo type contract. Oh yeah. Brandon Nimmo actually was a real, another comp I've seen for that. And wow. it's like, he's not going to be, he's not going to be cheap anymore. And so I think like the, the benefits he brings, like Scott fills some of that wind fills some of that. I think you capitalize on his value now. So I, I agree. <clears throat> I'd really love to see them move on from Tommy as much as I love Tommy. Edmund, yeah, I love Tommy. Edmund. Yeah, I know he's super high floor guy, but relatively low ceiling. And like you said, he's expensive, but that has value in today's game. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, obviously you don't have to move him right now. He works. He's on the team. But if, if you can aggregate that value a little bit right now, I think you have to get, you have to capitalize on that. So. Uh, well, just thank you everyone for attending our Sunny Gray party. This is something Ooh. that I've been excited about for so long. I'm so glad we get to have this. Hopefully, for you know, someday for Andrew, there will be an Otani party. <clears throat> Can't promise anything, though. Um, but, yeah, if you want your party favors, okay, go down to our Lids link in the description and buy yourself a new Sunny Gray jersey, okay? Please, uh, I'm going to be getting that cream alternate jersey as soon as possible. It's the best yeah. jersey in all of sports. And with Sunny Gray on the back, can't wait to have that at the ballpark. I know Josh is looking for a road gray, sunny gray yeah, jersey. Yeah, sunny gray, gray jersey. You have to do it. Yeah, I can't resist that. Um, but again, just thank you so much for joining us for yet another emergency episode of the Newt News Podcast. Um, just know that if anything crazy happens again, we'll be right here uh, with that news for you as soon as we can, you know, day of. So that's pretty yeah. good stuff. Yeah, and we were going to be dropping our interview with Trevor Rosenthal today, so you can expect that later this week. Awesome conversation with him, and who knows? Maybe a reunion could be on the cards. Who knows? So, anyways, thanks for joining us again, Sandy. It's a big day for you. So happy for you. So happy for Cardinal fans. So happy for Sunny Gray. And we'll see you guys next time.